If you have your scripture, we'll look into the first book of Kings in the Old Testament, chapter 19. And if you remember this area, and if you don't remember at all, like I, uh, this is a fascinating ending to a story. Because Elijah, one of the great prophets of God, had already gone and, and, and confronted the prophets of Baal. And the prophets of Baal could not get their gods to respond and do nothing. And Elijah, in the power of God's spirit, went ahead and started claiming for fire to come down from heaven and consume the sacrifice that was totally wet. And it happened. So here is an amazing victory that Elijah had experienced in the name of the Lord. And right after that victory, Jezebel, though, yes, the famous Jezebel from the Bible, finds out of this amazing deed that Elijah has done. But 3,000 of her prophets and her, and her worship leaders had been slaughtered and killed. And in taking revenge against that, she swears that she's going to kill Elijah. And Elijah, who has just seen the power of God in an amazing way, decides to run away and hide. Run, run and hide. And while he is running and hiding, God is behind him. Taking him from place to place. And as he gets tired and tired of running away, God sends an angel. And the angel provides food. And the angel provides water. Because Elijah has to keep on running. God is allowing Elijah to run till the moment that Elijah, that the second angel appears to Elijah at the beginning of verse 19. That we're not going to read that part, but we're going to get to, to where we're going. And, and the angel tells Elijah, go and run and hide because you still have to hide some more. And Elijah runs and hides for 40 days and 40 nights. He gets the strength and hides in a cave running away from a queen, a lady that basically is just a queen, but he is the prophet of a mighty, powerful God, but he feels scared. So he's running away. And this is where we catch Elijah when we do this reading in the first Kings chapter 19, verse 8. So he got up, ate, and drank. And the food gave him was enough strength to travel for 40 days and 40 nights to Mount Zion, or Mount Sinai, the mountain of God. There he came to a cave where he spent the night. But the Lord said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? And Elijah replied, I have, I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty, but the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you, torn down your altars, and killed every one of your prophets, and I'm the only one left. And now... They are trying to kill me too. Go out and stand before me on the mountain, the Lord told Elijah. And Elijah stood there. The Lord passed by and a mighty windstorm hit the mountain. It was such a terrible blast that the rocks were torn loose. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake that the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, there was a sound like a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And a voice said, What are you doing here? Elijah, the word of the Lord. 
our gospel reading this morning is Jesus himself speaking as he is also realizing that, 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 that his disciples don't really get it. But he's trying to identify and he's trying to show his disciples the purposes for what he's come. And he tells his disciple in Matthew chapter 11 verses 28 and 29. Then Jesus said, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you. Let me teach you. Guys, Jesus is saying, let me teach you. Because I am humble and gentle of heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear. And the burden I give you is very light. This is the gospel of the Lord. I have been teaching since, what, the end of June, July, and now August, a series about the gift, about the fruit of the Spirit. A series about words that, that not just words, but attributes and qualities of humanity, of spirituality, of God, actually, qualities of God that as God's Spirit dwells in our lives, God's Spirit will produce, will allow to flow from within, will actually flow from our spirit into our lives. And Galatians reminds us by saying, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. They produces love. It produces joy. It produces peace. It produces patience. It produces kindness. It produces faithfulness. It produces gentleness. And it produces self-control. And there is no law, no law whatsoever against those things. During the past few months, we, have, we now know that we ourselves cannot in any way, shape, or form produce these attributes out of our own self. Oh, we can be a little bit more kind to others, but not the kind of kindness that God has. We can be a little bit more peaceful in our lives, but not the kind of peace that God gives us. We can get a little bit more gladness and happiness in our lives, but it's not the kind of fulfilling joy that God has for our lives. We can get all sorts of, 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 of joy, peace, and, and all the ideas of being patient and good to one another, but not, never, like God is good to us, like God is faithful to us, like God is kind to us. And the idea is for those attributes of God to be birthed in our hearts, and that's how we function in our lives. Last week we talked about faithfulness, and I like to describe faithfulness as love that just doesn't quit. Do we get it now? Faithfulness is basically love that doesn't quit. Say it with me. Love that doesn't quit. That is God's faithfulness. And as we discover God's faithfulness in our lives, it is easier for us then to allow God's faithfulness to come forward in our relationships, in our families, in our own lives. We also have learned that, uh, know that our lives in, in full fellowship and intimate communion with God, that as we live God life with God, that as we leave our economic life with God, that as we leave our professional life with God, that as we leave our relationship life with God, God's fullness, God's spirit will produce these attributes in us. It is not something that we can develop our own. It is just what God has for you and I. And it is in every one of us. 
the fruit of the Spirit. But today I want to talk about gentleness. And scripture tends to describe gentleness as God's gentle, soft, tender, caring, delicate, lovingly and smooth disposition of God dealing with you and I. It is a decision that God has to make in order to be gentle to us. Oh, in spite of our sin, in spite of our very, very... But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us. We don't deserve God's gentleness. But God resolves in God's wisdom, in God's will, that God will deal with us with words of tenderness, with smoothness, with love with delicate chords, with soft words, gentle resolve of God of dealing with you and I. When we deserve God's wrath, God decides to be gentle and not allow the wrath of God to come over us. So let's see this situation in three very brief stories. We're going to see God's gentleness to the people of Israel. We're going to see God's gentleness in Jesus Christ. And then we're going to see very briefly how we can cultivate God's gentleness in our lives. God's gentleness to Israel. Though they were the worst of peoples, though they were unfaithful to God, though they broke the covenant of God and slain the prophets, as we read, and, and abandoned the altars and abandoned God's covenant, God's faithfulness, God's gentleness is poured over God's people. Though they descended into Egypt to suffer, they were not destroyed. There was a remnant that walked out. Though they were in the wilderness, God opened the waters in gentle disposition so that they would not be destroyed. Though they rebelled against Moses, God did not destroy them but gave them the law. Though they were thrown into the den of lions and some into the fiery furnace, they were not hurt for the angel of the Lord was with them though they were thrown they actually felt the soft gentle breeze of God in the Greek the word for gentle breeze is actually avra it is the Greek word that a sailor would use or somebody in the beach of St. Petersburg would have used in the evenings when we were there as that gentle breeze caressed us right as that gentle breeze inspired us. And we decided that what happened in the beach? <laughs> but that's the word that's used for the gentle breeze of God, diavra in Greek. It is a soft, gentle breeze that actually allows the agricultural products of the Mediterranean to flourish. That allows the wheat shaft to actually go by itself and it doesn't have to be thrashed as much because the avra of God provides the healing and the cleaning. I drew them, says the prophet Hosea. Oh, they were unfaithful. But Hosea says, I drew them close to me with bands of love, with cords of gentleness. God is faithful to his people. When God drew throughout history, we see God over and over again drawing his people with cords of gentleness and laces of love. But so it was with Jesus. As Jesus came to us, Jesus' gentleness, tender, loving care was manifested in every miracle, in every touch, in every word. Even when he, we thought he lost it in the temple... 
Guys, I could imagine this. They said, oh, Jesus was angry? Yeah, he was angry, but he was still gentle. Because being Jesus, super powerful God Jesus, dudes, he could have blown those people's heads. <laughs> oh, that's the kind of imagery that we have in this generation. He's not slashing their heads. I don't know. Blow the heads off. <laughs> so I think Jesus was kind of gentle in the temple. He could have blown those people off. And all he did was turn the tables over and said a few words for them to remember and for us to live and practice. So Jesus was gentle in his touch with people. Jesus was gentle to the sinners. Jesus was gentle even to the ones that accused him before the lady that was caught doing something nasty. She was on the freak on and then she was caught, you know, and she was put in and for no Jesus, and what do you say? Jesus was very gentle at that moment because he stooped down. And as he stooped down, he started writing something in the sand in front of those people. And whatever he wrote, combined with the words he said, whosoever is without sin, cast thou the first rock. Nobody knows what he wrote there, but you know what I think he wrote there? The names of the ladies who the accusers were messing around with. Oh, we guys understand that one. Just an idea. We don't know. But they were quiet very quickly. And they dropped the stones right there. And the Lord was able to look at her eyes. Get up. Go home. And sin no more. What gentleness. What tenderness of heart. It, 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 you know, Jesus manifests God's gentleness in true humility and did not consider himself as super God, as too much of a thing, as too royal, as too up there, as too cool to stoop down and becoming human in the form of you and I, adopting sin, Though he was God, Paul reminds us in Philippians, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling on or to hold on. Instead, he gave it up. He gave up his divine privileges. He took on the humble position of a servant and slave, a human being, and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died as a criminal on the cross. Jesus was gentle and humbly and meekly he went to the cross for you and I. For you and I. He gave up his divine privilege for others. This reminds me of a story of General Washington in Valley Forge. There were the, 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 the American forces, the rebellion forces, the terrorists according to the British were building up their defenses and were putting the logs and, and there was this particular log and, and this commander or, or this sergeant goes by and sees these two soldiers struggling to lift up one of those logs and putting it up there. And the commander kept on ha harassing them. Sergeant, come on, you guys can do it. Lift it up, you guys can do it. And suddenly this man shows up in the horse. And tells the sergeant, why don't you help them? And the sergeant looked at the other guy, recognized the ranks and says, Oh no, sir, I'm a, I'm a sergeant, I'm not a corporal. 
And that general got off that horse and went into the muddy trench. And with the other two soldiers, lifted up the log and put it in place. When he turned around, he looked at the sergeant in the horse, asking all three of them to do it. He says, compliments, General Washington. Washington didn't think of it as humiliating on this winning side of the war already to stoop down and help his people, his corporals, defend the nation. So how do we cultivate God's gentleness in our lives? Scripture reminds us that let your gentleness be evident to all. But how does that look like? So how does your cultivating, how do we cultivate? How, how should we allow God's gentleness to flow in and through our hearts? How do we become people? People that are gentle with a gentle voice, with a gentle heart in our community, in our homes, with our children, with our spouses, with our friends, with our partners. How do we become people of change and transformation and redemption with one another and restoration with one another? With a spirit of gentleness, not fighting, not with violence, not with hostility, not with the way that we have been seen in St. Louis by God. Where has our sense of humanity has gone? When we kill somebody who's got his hands up, what is it about us? That we don't understand it. That we don't get it. Training after training and after training. We don't get that we are human beings, that we are to restore one another. Yes, if there's a weapon, I defend myself, but there's not been found yet. And it won't be found. What is it? What is it? There in our hearts, we have to renounce. It begins with each one of us here at Loud of Hope. Renouncing to violence. Renouncing, I am unarmed. Renouncing to aggression. Renouncing to hostility. God did it, and Jesus did it. Why can't we? You see, in the kingdom of God, gentleness and love rules. Our decisions and behaviors are to be gentle. The silence, the gentle silence will quiet the riot. The gentleness will control the force of hate. And it will moderate the impulse of hate. It is up to us. It is up to us to adopt and be empowered by God's gentleness and begin to practice it within our families, within our community. This meek resolve leads to a powerful, loving, and merciful message that God cares. Oh, the wisdom shares it with us. A gentle answer, a gentle answer deflects the anger, but a harsh words make tempers flare. That easy. In that same chapter 9 of the Proverbs, we read the, the, the great idea of gentleness from God. And it says, gentle words are a tree of life. Say it with me. Gentle words are a tree of life. Again, gentle words are a tree of life. Jesus, he said, take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart and you will find rest in your souls. Will you enroll with me this day in the school of how to cultivate gentleness in our hearts, in our lives? Will you allow Jesus and God's Spirit teach you gentleness of heart? Will you commit to be humble and gentle, patient with others, and making allowances 
for each other's fault because of our love of God in us and the love for one another. Ephesians chapter 5, St. Paul. Amen. Let us pray. Dear God, we thank you. We thank you for your gentleness. We thank you for your spirit. We thank you for your guidance and inspiration. We thank you because you are our God. We are your people. And you have poured in our hearts the fruit of your spirit. May we be faithful to show, to show you through us, in spite of us. Lead us, O God, to be more like Jesus. Through God's spirit we pray. Amen.